Hey, this is Stacy Wheeler. Welcome to the Soul Podcast. If this is your first time checking out an episode, I wanted to drop a quick disclaimer here. The first eight episodes of the show are different than the episodes that follow. You see, when I started the show, I wasn't exactly clear where I was going to go with it. I was kind of feeling it out, checking out the format and the feel and the flavor. I knew that the topic was going to be about the idea that we were more than just the body, but we are the soul as well. But I wasn't sure exactly how I was going to approach it. What I did know was I wanted to talk about the history of it. Every culture, as far back as we can see, has a word for this thing we call the soul. Did you know there's only two words like that? intangibles that we have words for. Every culture does. Love and the soul. All the other words that cultures share, they're all tangibles. You know, things you can feel, see, touch. Water, air, earth. Love and the soul are the only intangibles every culture has a word for. I find that fascinating. But the first eight episodes, I go way, way back and I cover all the history to explain that and show you how true it is going back more than 30,000 years. Some of you will find it interesting, while others may find it a bit heavy on history. If it doesn't resonate with you, don't go away. Just jump forward to episode 9, and you'll find the flavor of the show changes. The episodes are shorter, the history stuff goes away, and it becomes more spiritual. Thanks for checking out the Soul Podcast, and I hope you enjoy. Albert Einstein said, The most beautiful and profound emotion we can experience is the sensation of the mystical. It is the sower of all true science. He to whom this emotion is a stranger, who can no longer wonder and stand wrapped in awe, is good as dead. Welcome to the Soul Podcast. I'm Stacy Wheeler, your host. I have an obsession with this thing we call the soul. But before we begin, let's look at this thing. It's been called the spirit, the vital force. Some call it the inner being or the God inside, the Atman, the inner self, and many, many more names. You may have a name for it yourself. To keep it simple, I'm going to call it the soul. Now, for as far back as we can look into our history, we can see that people have talked about this and used different ways to connect to the quiet passenger inside. Since recorded time, in all cultures all around the world, People have referenced this, made their own words up for it, made their own stories to describe it, to explain it, to try to understand it. It crosses all cultures throughout time. It's always been there, before religion and after religions came and went. People have used meditation, prayer, quiet reflection, chanting and walks in nature, and other, other means of quieting their minds to connect with the silent passenger. And I guess we're continuing that work here. We're going to look at all things the soul. We're going to look at different methods that people have used to connect to it. We're going to look at the history of it. We're going to look at ways to quiet our minds and stay connected to that deep, joyous part of us. Now, before we get going, I need to let you know that for the first several episodes, it's vital for us to understand before we move forward exactly how important this thing has been throughout history. As far back as we can go into time, we see that people have always talked about this. People have written about it as soon as the written word was available. Even before the written word was available, people were making reference to it in pictures they carved into stone. Now, this won't be boring history, I promise you. 
but the first several episodes are going to cover everything going back as far as 70,000 years. To keep it simple, I'm going to label all these. They'll be History of the Soul, Part 1, Part 2, Part 3, and so on until we're finished. It'll be six or eight episodes, but this way you can kind of look at how many episodes there are covering the history part of this. And then after that, we'll dive into everything soul. Uh, different practices we can use, different practices that have been used. And this won't just be the soul. This will also be spiritual practices to help you stay in the right state of mind to connect with this deeper, beautiful part of yourself, this truest part of yourself we call the soul. Now, to be clear, I'm not telling you about this numbering system so that you can skip those. Don't do that. It's really important to understand this. And in fact, it's, it's going to be quite enlightening, and I promise you, you'll learn something you don't already know. Now, when we're done, we're going to come way, way back up to the 20th century. And you'll be amazed at what you'll find. Moving forward, you'll see that amazing minds have talked about the soul. Names you know. Some of the greatest minds. We'll look at philosophers, mystics, religious figures, and even scientists. Yeah, scientists. Studying things like psychology, physics, and astronomy, and other subjects. As they tried to get to the truth of things, they ran into the reality of the soul, and they've got some amazing things to say. We'll hear more about what they had to say as we get closer to the 20th century, but for now, let's go way, way back. And let me tell you a story that starts about 34,000 years ago. There's a place on the Russian plains known as Sangir, and it was here a very, very long time ago that a small group gathered. They were a close-knit group. They lived by hunting and gathering, and they passed through the area several times a year. They followed the herds, collected foods that grew there. This was part of their territory they considered home. So it was a fitting place for the ceremony. With wood and stone tools, they hacked into the ground, and they removed loose dirt with their hands. For long, they'd created a hole that was, oh, two, three feet deep, five, six feet long. And inside, they placed the body of their friend. They covered the body with red ochre, which is a clay pigment, and around the body and the neck, they just draped all these amazing beads, elaborate beaded necklaces. It's 34,000 years ago. These beads were of the highest quality of the time. In their world, these adornments would have been considered a form of wealth. Now the group filled the hole with the loose dirt, covered the body, they mourned, and they went on with their lives. Now, why do I know this happened? Oh, I'm painting a picture, sure. I don't know exactly what happened. I do know that someone 34,000 years ago buried someone in a way that let us know that they believed that we survived the death of the body. In this hole, they put things of value that this person would need in the next life. They didn't have the ability to write and to say, we believe there's a soul, we believe that there's a spirit that survives the death of the body. But their actions said it. They said it loudly. This initial burial is significant in our human history because it's the earliest ritual burial of a human that we've ever found 34,000 years ago. That's partially true because if we go back 70,000 years, we also find another ritual burial this ritual burial was found in a famous site known as Shandahar Cave, which is in what we now know as Iraq. In this cave, bodies have been found buried in ceremonial ways going back 70,000 years. What's unique about these bodies is they aren't modern humans. They're Neanderthals, which are close relatives to humans. These burials are literally twice as old as the human burials we found. And what's interesting about them is this. 
these barrels are about us as well. Everyone alive today has between 2 and 4% Neanderthal DNA. So we're just a little bit Neanderthal. For the longest time, we thought the Neanderthals had died out, but they, they didn't die out. They were bred out of existence. They were conquered and assimilated into our bloodlines. So we're all just a little bit of Neanderthal. And so, this is a shared history. Going back 70,000 years, our ancestors were burying people in ways that made it clear to us that they thought the spirit survived the death of the body. How fantastic. We've always known there was something more inside. So let's look at the kinds of things they found in these graves. They found important tools, weapons, jewelry, other things of survival. See, weapons and tools back in this time, survival was a big thing. It was everything. It was everyone in the tribe's job to help the tribe survive. So taking a weapon and putting it in one of these graves was assuring that this person would have what they needed on the next go-round to survive. And it was also diminishing the tribe's capability to survive because these tools were no longer available to them. Couldn't skip down to the store and buy another weapon. Had to make that thing. These were strong statements left by our ancestors that they truly believed these bodies may be gone, but the person continued on. This was tens of thousands of years before written language was created, so it's impossible to know the specific thoughts of these Paleolithic people. Though they couldn't write about it yet, we can see that people as far back as prehistoric times had some notion of the concept of the soul. As history moved forward, evidence would emerge that makes it clear that people have had a relationship with the soul from our very earliest origins. So let's take a moment and think about the soul. I think most people have had moments when we were alone, maybe in nature, maybe we were sad or hurting, maybe we were just in quiet reflection. Monks chant, Buddhists meditate, Christians pray. Muslims pray. And though we're alone, we don't feel alone in these moments. We have that deep connection, that vibration inside. When we're alone, but not lonely, we understand that something is there within us or surrounding us, holding us closely. These things often turn up in our most challenging times. It's as though someone wants us to know that things may be horrible, but we're not alone. Maybe you've experienced a little taste of this. But here's one example that I like. Going back to 1933, there's this guy named Frank Smythe. He almost became the first person to reach the summit of Mount Everest. In his attempt to reach the mountain top, it was ridiculously difficult. I mean, we've all seen images of alpine climbing. We know what this is like. It's horrible conditions, ice sheets, snow, freezing cold, low oxygen. We get a sense of it at least, but we haven't been up there. It is so trying. And the oxygen is a big part of it. The higher you get, the less oxygen. Well, Frank Smythe is working this thing. He's almost there. And the rest of his team, they fell off. They couldn't keep up with him. They just started falling back. So he ends up hiking alone. He's working his way to the top, going, going, going. He's going through wind, snow, ice, horrible conditions. The oxygen's getting lower. Well, he's stopped. He estimates about 1,000 feet from the peak. That's how bad it was. It's right there. He just, he just can't go any further. So he turned back made his way back down the mountain. Later, he wrote in his journal about something that we now know as the third man factor. It's been reported again and again in conditions like these where a person is alone and they're in a trying situation. He wrote that at one point on the ascent, he reached into his pocket and pulled out a slab of mint cake. He broke it in half and turned to give the other piece to his companion. 
but there was no companion. There was no one else there. Later, he wrote in his journal about it. He wrote, All the time that I was climbing alone, I had a strong feeling that I was accompanied by a second person. The feeling was so strong that it completely eliminated all loneliness I might otherwise have felt. In 1933, Frank Smythe experienced a soul connection. He was with his true self. Many of us have had that not-so-alone feeling. When we do, we may try to understand the feeling. We may have even labeled it, tried to make sense of it. Perhaps we called it God, or maybe we called it an angel. Perhaps we thought it was a guiding spirit. Many small children have an invisible friend. This is the soul. Though we can get closer to it through quiet reflection, meditation, or extreme situations like Frank Smythe's, it seems we're never closer to the soul than that moment when we're born or that moment we die before we have that overlay of who we're supposed to be or who we are. Look into a baby's eyes. See the soul right there, so close to the surface, not yet covered by the human overlay that we give them. The child hasn't been told yet who it is or who it's supposed to be. We haven't put labels on it. As adults, we're all collections of the labels we've been given. I'm a man, a father, a white guy, I'm a writer, I'm bald, I'm the youngest brother, a friend, an uncle, I'm average looking, I'm an American, I'm divorced, and many more things. And we start to believe this is who we really are. When we strip away all the labels we carry, that's when we can truly see who we are. When the labels fall away, it's what's left. We don't have a soul. We are a soul. Have you glimpsed your soul recently? Maybe you have and didn't know it. Would you like to? The next time you have a sunny day, and I hope that's today, stop. Close your eyes and turn your face to the sun. Feel the warmth of the sun on your skin. Feel the sun as you breathe it in deeply. Stay there for two or three good breaths, soaking in the sun. Feel your entire body react to it. Notice the feeling you get from breathing in the sun. Stay as long as you like. You may get a small burst of joy. This is your soul speaking to you. Allow yourself to feel the internal passenger we call the soul. When it arrives, don't be surprised if joy creeps in and a smile comes to your face. Embrace it. It's your soul. It's you visiting you. In our next episode, we're going to jump forward in the timeline quite a ways, but still pretty far back in time. We're going to look at the first writings people made that referenced the soul. And it might surprise you how long ago that was. Let's come back, will you? Thank you for listening to The Soul Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, learned something new, or were just entertained, please tell your friends about the show and hit that follow button. This is the best way for other people to find the show. Check the show notes for links to supporting information as well as any books or other reading material related to this episode.